KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. We got to school at 2. I'd go to pitching lessons from like 2.30 to 3.30, drag one of my friends. <laughs> that was a catcher, you know, to my lesson. And then I would go to basketball practice from 4 to 6, and then 6 to 8 was cheerleading, and at 8 o'clock I'd go home, do homework, reset for the next day. And that was the norm for me growing up. I think it was fun. I, I don't regret any of it. I love playing all those sports. And our guest this week is Shannon Fadula. She is the head softball coach at Division Three Newman University out in Aston. Shannon, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So as we're talking here, it's mid-September. Uh, what is life like? People, I think, think a lot of college sports. It's the season and two weeks before and maybe a week after. But college sports, it is now constant. And we were talking as we were walking into the studio, you guys are in the midst of preseason or fall workouts. Yes. So we actually started on Monday. Um, we're going four days a week for the next four weeks. Um, that's how the Division Three calendar works. We have a 16-day calendar that we can use. So we'll go from Monday and we'll stop around October 7th with workouts. So we're doing team workouts right now, um, four days a week. We have our one play date next weekend. We have about two weeks before our play date, and then we'll do two weeks after to kind of you know work with little things. Um, and then they'll get a winter packet, and they're kind of on their own until we start back up January 30th. What's the big goal of the fall workouts? Is it to get the group used to each other, to kind of get them to understand what you want? Is it skill? Like if you had to kind of rank what you're looking to get out of the fall, what would be at the top of the list? So especially right now, I just took over the program last October. So I'm almost at a year, close, coming up on a year. Um, So we have nine freshmen coming in. So right now, especially this week, is kind of getting to know the freshmen you know, where we see them, or at least where I see them in a sense of on the field, off the field, kind of meshing the team a little bit more since we kind of have half a new team. But then also, like, I'm really mechanical. I like going over mechanics. So, like, day one on um, Tuesday, we did just throwing mechanics. And we do that every single first practice, every single year. So the seniors have heard it, you know, they'll hear it four times and We'll just keep doing it because it's so important. Today, we're going to go over hitting, and it's just the mechanics of hitting and go over, and we kind of slow it down a lot in the fall and break things down. And, you know, we went over the warm-up again and just make sure that they're doing it correctly and, you know, the stretches and what's important and how to do that. So a lot of the fall, I think, is going over a lot of things that you kind of forget in season because you're kind of on the roll. You're doing games. You're kind of, you know, you're not fine-tweaking things in season. So we're kind of slowing down a little bit more, going back to, hey, what didn't work last year? Let's fine tune some things and, you know, make sure, again, we're doing things mechanically correct. And then also, you know, making sure we're strengthening them and making sure that they're not going to get hurt. So let's talk a little bit about your career in softball growing up. Was it all softball all the time? Were you playing whatever sport was in season or did you gravitate to softball as a youth? All of the above. (laughs) So it's funny. I'm the youngest of three. My sister was a pitcher. So I had to go to her pitching lessons because I couldn't stay home. So um, and she's eight years older than me. So, you know, there was an age gap. So I was kind of mimicking her um, when I was little and being lefty, she's right handed. But being left handed, you know, her pitching coach was like, when can we get Shannon in? When can we get Shannon? My mom's like, slow down. She's like 10. Like (laughs) now it's funny because kids are doing lessons that early. But that wasn't a thing, you know. And my brother was a catcher, which helped. And he was five years older than me. So when I started doing lessons, my brother would conveniently catch me. And then my dad always told me like, hey, you're left handed. You know, you have three options. (laughs) You're outfielder, you're first baseman or a pitcher. Now we're seeing lefties play a lot more positions, but that just wasn't a thing. So I think I kind of just mimic my sister. And then 
you know, my parents were always, especially in high school, like either play a sport or get a job. And I was like, well, let's play a sport. So <laughs> that was always my option. But I played field hockey, basketball and softball in high school every single year. I actually cheerleaded on the side for an all-star team. So, I mean, a winter day for me in high school was we'd get to school at two. I'd go to pitching lessons from like 2.30 to 3.30, drag one of my friends <laughs> That was a catcher, you know, to my lesson. And then I would go to basketball practice from four to six. And then six to eight was cheerleading. And at eight o'clock, I'd go home, do homework, reset for the next day. And that was the norm for me growing up. I think it was fun. I don't regret any of it. I love playing all those sports. Was softball always your favorite? Or was it? In seventh grade, I wanted to be the first girl in the NBA. Okay. (laughs) Which, in hindsight, I'm only 5'7". But (laughs) (laughs) I was basketball driven. I loved basketball when I was little. I wore, I'm from, you know, North Jersey. So I was rocking John Stark's Knicks jerseys all the time. And my brother was a basketball player. And it's just, you know, my parents would bring us to the Continental Arena and we'd watch Seton Hall battle it out with, you know, like UConn. And like, that was it for me. And middle school, I kind of, you know, being a pitcher, I was, I started lessons in fifth grade and Started getting good at it. And middle school, I kind of split my summers between AAU basketball and travel softball. So it was a little hectic. Um, and I also played like in-house too. So I would play like rec league. Um, there was times where I'd go from like one set of games to another set of games to another set of games. Um, I guess that helps being the youngest because they had time to shuttle me around. But yeah, I kind of split it really heavily in middle school, basketball and softball. I was kind of gone home on both of them. In high school, I stopped playing AAU, but I still played high school basketball the whole entire time and then I really kind of committed to softball a little bit more going into like freshman year and playing softball all year round what was it did you realize that that was a track that might take you further or was it just I like this even more now it was a combination of success right you're gonna like something better that you're better at Mm -hmm. um I think you know basketball is is just a different sport than softball and I had some questionable coaches, which I think about all the time as a coach now um, in basketball. And it kind of deterred me to be like, hey, you know, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Um, I even thought about playing both in college. So it wasn't even it was still a thought process. Even later in my career, uh, my high school basketball coach played basketball in college. So she was like, hey, you can do both. Um, so I did work at it all the time. It's just that softball just became, I guess, because of pitching, like you don't take basketball lessons. You know what I mean? Like, that's just Probably now they do. But um, so, you know, I was still in pitching lessons through that whole entire season. I was still doing hitting lessons through that whole entire season. So I think in that sense, I worked on softball longer and more just because of a positional thing mm-hmm. than basketball. So, like I said, I kind of just fell into place. And then, you know, high school, I had a really good high school career and it just kind of took off. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm curious. You mentioned you're a lefty. Is the dynamic the same in softball that it is in baseball? In baseball, if you're a left-handed pitcher and you are competent and can and are durable, there will always be somebody willing to have you on the roster. Is it the same dynamic in softball where a lefty is kind of coveted and different, or is it not quite the same? It is. It's funny. My dad always used to say when I was younger and I was getting recruited and stuff, and he's like, oh, if only you were a guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> And we'd be like, you know, we'd be talking way different, way different people and stuff like that. And I joke around. I'd be like, well, I guess that's you and mom's fault, right? Like, (laughs) I, sorry. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I think there is in a sense of left-handed, I think there's not as many Mm -hmm. in softball. Again, they're starting to be more because people are starting to recognize that there is a little bit of an advantage, I think. But I also think there's somewhat of a disadvantage because umpires don't see it as much. So I kind of saw it in college a little bit back and forth, right? There was ways that I thought we had an advantage for me being left-handed because people didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the same as baseball, right? It's coming from a different angle and 
you know, and baseball does a lot more pitchers will pitch to certain people. Softball's not necessarily like that. Right. So especially when I played, it was more of a workhorse position. Now we're doing more staff related things and you're seeing more than one pitcher per game. But when I threw in college, it was me. So I think, yeah, there's there's an advantage. I think we don't use it as much as baseball does in a sense of like picking and choosing when to use the advantage. Right. Um, that's just because our sport's a little bit different right. in the sense of pitching. Does it give you a, a different movement on the ball? Like, did, is it just inherent? Because, you know, some lefties, in addition to coming from the different side, it, yeah. you know, gives a different angle, stuff like that. But did you find you had just being left-handed provided you with maybe not even better, but just different movement that Yeah, I felt problems? like my screwball was really effective because <laughs> it could run. Right. Whereas a righty, they have a batter there, like, you know, most of the time. So for my curveball, I had to be really controlled with it. And I led our conference and hit batters because of it. But, you know, there was I had a little bit of room. So I feel like my screwball was super effective because I had room to move to make it move. So it was a lot easier to chase as a batter because I can start it on the corner and it would run. But, you know, when there's a lefty batter there, that was where I had to worry. But the percentages of lefty righty batters was in my favor. How long did it take you? Earlier, you talked about the mechanics, and right there, you just kind of broke down, like, approach. How long, as a young pitcher, did it take you to appreciate that pitching was more than just being able to throw the ball hard and stuff like that? Like, the science Mm -hmm. and the art, you know, when do you remember you started to attack pitching in that way? So, it's funny. When I started pitching lessons, right, so I went to the person that taught my sister. He was very mechanical-driven. Like, that was his expertise, very mechanical. So, you know, learning how to throw a fastball, learning how to throw a change, the very early stages of learning how to pitch, I was taught very mechanical. So I understood that, like, I had to do things X, Y, Z to not get hurt, to not, you know, do these things. And we kind of, then I moved to a different pitching coach that was kind of the next step for me. So this person taught me, you know, the really mechanics and the foundation of pitching. And then the next person was actually a men's fast pitch pitcher. Okay. And he taught me how to throw pitches, you know, movement pitches and how to throw harder. And he would throw at me and it was terrifying, you know, as a, as a middle school, high schooler. But he was very particular on like, this needs to work. And I really kind of my whole career, I was very good at pinpointing accuracy. Like that was my thing. Like I didn't walk many people like, you know, I can get out of jams because I can like readjust. And I didn't throw, you know, super, super hard. I threw hard enough, but I can make the ball move and I can put it where I needed to put it. And that was something that both my pitching coaches were really, really like strict on. And I think that was when I really realized, you know, at the time, you just think that's the norm. Right. You don't realize that people Mm -hmm. are just like chucking. Right. And I was kind of, you know, like there's a spot and you need to hit it. Like that's your job. And I took that to heart. So, you know, even in high school and I I go back and read, you know, newspaper articles and they're like, oh, and I talk about how my rise worked in my head. I'm like in college, I never had a rise. You know what I mean? Like I joke around with myself because I thought I had these pitches that I now know that I'm like, that didn't really work that well. But, you know, it's different in high school. But, you know, I think that was kind of something that I always thought that that was the norm. And then, you know, you start to see people that, you know, are walking a bunch of batters a game. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would have got yelled at for that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so I never even thought about it. So I think I guess mechanics were from the start for me. And I never thought anything else of it. So I've always, even when I teach pitching and I go over with my pitches, I'm really big on mechanics and being aware of what our bodies are doing and, and how to fix them quickly. Because otherwise, the spiral is going to be quick. And I think that helped me in college being able to like, okay, had a bad inning, reset. You know, go back to what you originally know. You know what you're doing. Like, just relax. So how does a young woman athlete from North Jersey end up at Westchester University? (laughs) 
Interesting. Um, so I actually did all my official visits. I went to a bunch of different schools. Uh, I was recruited kind of all over the place. Again, being left-handed helps. The story that I was told was <laughs> my high school coach's sister played for East Strasburg. Okay. And they're in the same conference right. as Westchester. And someone knew someone and mentioned my name to the Westchester coach and said, hey, I think you should look at this kid. So she reached out to me, me being from North Jersey. My parents are both from Staten Island. Oh, I'm from Westchester. I said, oh, I didn't know there was a SUNY Westchester. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Westchester, New York, right? And she's like, Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm like, I don't know where that is. Like, and she's like, oh, it's, you know, on the way to Delaware from Philadelphia. I'm like, I've never been to Philadelphia, right? Because 15, 16 years old, I have not been to Philadelphia, mm -hmm. right? We flew out of Newark. The only time we'd ever come down here is to fly out. So it was funny. I was just like, oh, okay. So my final two were Kutztown and Westchester. We joke around a lot because now I'm friends with, obviously, both coaches really well. And we joke around about that. And um, so I went to a camp at Kutztown and Westchester was there and we kind of just, it just kind of happened. I went and visited both schools. I just really liked the area. And it was funny when we went on my official visit, my mom was like, do you see this mall talking about the King of Prussia mall? <laughs> She's like, I like this area. <laughs> and it's funny. I talk about recruiting, my recruiting story all the time because I got recruited for, you know, D1s. I got, I honestly I turned down two full rides to do a partial scholarship at Westchester. My parents always told me if you're going to get hurt, pick a school that you're going to stay at. And that really resonated with me. And my sister went to Ohio State. My brother went to the University of South Carolina. Like, I wanted football. That was me. I'm a sports junkie, mm -hmm. right? Like, I love sports. So I wanted somewhere that was going to be sports-driven, especially being the youngest, seeing Ohio State, seeing University of right. South Carolina, right? I didn't want to go to school that didn't have football. That, to me, fall is football. Very weird, which is weird because a lot of schools I've worked at don't have football. But so that was a criteria for me as a recruit. And it's funny because people always talk about, you know, what you're recruiting, you know, what are you looking for? And I was like, I was looking for football. And they're like, but you played softball. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But that's just, you know. And sometimes that's, some of these kids don't think about things like that. Like, mm -hmm. what do you want to do outside of that sport? And Westchester just fit the mold where I could play. You know, that was also another thing, right? I wanted to play right away. I'm way too competitive of a person to sit on someone's bench for three years. And I didn't want to be, being left-handed, I knew that people would take a lefty just to take a lefty. Right. And I didn't want to be that kid that just threw the bullpen because they're facing a lefty later that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to be able to impact the team right away, needed football, <laughs> and kind of those were my two biggest criteria, and Westchester fit the molds, and it was a fantastic career there. How's the adjustment when you first come in, the adjustment to life in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and also to softball? I mean, you look at your career numbers, and it's phenomenal, but, uh, you know, that freshman year, how was that freshman year? <laughs> so, funny thing is, I'm really good friends with a lot of my teammates. When I first came in, I'm from North Jersey. My parents are from New York City. I'm loud. I like to talk. You know, I had my eyebrow pierced. I thought I was, like, so cool. <laughs> you know, like, this is typical, you know, and I'm coming off a state championship, right? Like, so I come in first week of school, and I'm like, hey, guys, like, what's going on? What are we doing today? And they're like, whoa, <laughs> like, you're a freshman. Relax. We're not friends with you. <laughs> And I was kind of just like, okay, so like, are we hanging out? To me, I was just like, oh, hey, what's up? You're my teammates. Like, we're friends. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case everywhere, right? And it was funny because, you know, now 20 years later, they're like, I'm best friends with, how, you know, the girls I played with. And they're like, we couldn't stand you day one. Like, you came in hard. Like, <laughs> but then they, they're like, then we realized, like, that's just your personality. Right. Like, 
this is you all the time. And I was like, yeah. And I'm, and I tell recruiters that all the time. Like, what you see is what you get with me. Like, that's just how it is. But when you first meet someone and you're supposed to be the low man on the totem pole, usually people are more reserved. And I kind of just was me. So it actually worked out, obviously. But it was just funny because my first month or so, it was kind of like breaking into like, hey, you know, I'm here for a good reason. Like, I want to be here. I want to help you guys win. And they finally, you know, after a while, they're like, okay, this is just her. Like, we're cool with this. But yeah, we joke around and they're like, we didn't like you in the first. And I was like, that's, I get it. <laughs> like, I get it. Tough, but fair. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I probably wouldn't like that freshman that came in and was just like, oh, hey. <laughs> so I get it. How about the actual softball? Like, was it a big jump? I mean, you talk about you want to stay championships. So you're playing at a mm-hmm. high level, yeah. but, you know, it's still high school to college and very good college program. Was it, oh, okay, I need to up my game or was it, no, I can do this. This um, this pretty much falls in line with what I expected. I think it was both. I think I came in and kind of was like, you're here to do a job and just do it type mm-hmm. thing. That was kind of how I was taught growing up. My parents were like, hey, you're, you know, you're part of a team. You do this, you do this, you know, whatever. So I think coming into a program, and to be honest, it's funny because Westchester, my freshman year, we weren't 500. You know, so a lot of people think that, you know, when we when I first got there, it wasn't a winning program. It was Loki's second year. I was our second recruiting class. So we were very new. Um, in a sense of, you know, they're trying to rebuild the program. Right. And I kind of came in. It was me and a senior. So I knew I was getting an innings. And there were some times where I'm just like, you know, it's a different coach. I played for males my whole life. It was my first time playing for a female, which is also different. And, you know, we clashed a little bit. And then it was kind of just a mutual respect of like, hey, I'm going to do whatever you say, you know, to do. But I'm also loud and I ask questions. And again, coming from... You know, an area that really at the time, Westchester had maybe two athletes from North Jersey. I mean, it was very predominantly Pennsylvania driven. And so I was kind of, you know, we joke around like being the loud, you know, obnoxious New Yorker coming into like an area that's not used to that. So, you know, that was an adjustment in general, because I think some people on the team thought that I was like questioning things, but I was really just curious. And then, like I said, once you get through the fall and the individuals for like, so division one and division two, we can do individuals. And that's like, you're more working one-on-one with your coaches. And I think that was really the turning point in my freshman year was really kind of having the coaches understand me as me and like what drives me. I love practice, but I love competition. Like games are what I drive, like what I want. So like in practice, I'm like, all right, we're doing this. And then like game mode, I would turn on. But when you get there as a freshman, game mode doesn't come until March. Right. So it's hard to see that. Right. So I think it was it was an adjustment just like everything else. And I kind of was just like, all right, you're here, you know, and do your job. I thought about transferring my freshman year, you know, after a while. I pitched like, what, 60 innings, I think it was, which was really good now. But at the time, I was just like, oh, you know, I don't know. And I remember one of my teammates being like, you can't transfer. We all like you now. I'm joking around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, all right, fine. I will. <laughs> like, and it's funny because I was her maid of honor at the wedding. And I actually told that story at the wedding about how she basically told me, no, you're not. And I was just like, okay. Like, that was the easiest decision she made for me, obviously. It was fantastic going forward, but it was an adjustment. I'm far away from home. I was two and a half hours. You know, I was kind of the low man on totem pole. And you go from senior year to freshman year, it's a big adjustment. Right. And I kind of, you know, my parents were like, hey, this is your job. You do it. Don't be obnoxious. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to do it. And like I said, I tell kids all the time, like, you got to grind through freshman year. It's a different experience because you don't have no idea what's going on. No matter how much you know about the sport, you really are clueless. And I think that's a big adjustment. And I remember these things as coaches. You know what I mean? Like you think about the freshman, like, hey, you're doing great. And they're like, oh, my God, I suck today. No, you don't. You didn't. You did great. You're here. Mm-hmm. You're happy. You know what I mean? Like the little things count as freshman year because it's a big adjustment. Do you remember the first time you fell specifically in the circle? Your first aha moment as a college pitcher where you were like, yeah, I did that. Do you remember your first, you know, and, and it might have been in a 10 nothing win. Not so much like a big win, but yeah, that yeah. first where you really executed at a high level and you felt like I belong here. This is going to work. 
I don't know. I could probably tell you all the the opposite ones, to be honest. I remember my first ever game, and the funny thing is, you know, you think you look a certain way in body language and stuff like that, and I remember I was shaking, full-blown shaking, and I thought no one could see. And our catcher, who's still one of my really good friends, called timeout, comes up to me, and she's like, you're shaking, and I can see it. Like, you have to calm down. And I was like, oh, my God, she can tell. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that was kind of a big, oh, God, you're a freshman. This is your first, you know, this is in the spring, so it's like first real game, not the fall games type thing. And I remember just being like, all right, like, let's do this. And I, as soon as you deliver the first pitch of your college career, it's just like a, you know what I mean? And then first batter, and then it gets a little bit less. And then first inning, and it gets a little bit less. And it just, like, kind of just de-escalates mm-hmm. the rest of the game. And, like, I think after that first game, and I couldn't tell you what I did that first game. I couldn't tell you if we won, we lost, whatever. I never really big, like, stats person driven because I just, it was whether we won or not. And I just remember being like, okay, that wasn't bad. We're, we're good. You know what right. I mean? Like, type thing. And I remember being, like, after freshman year, and freshman year, I kind of like went in, I don't know, I want to say not clueless, but I really had no expectations. So I kind of just did whatever. And I was just like, okay, I don't think I had a great freshman year, but I don't think anyone expected anything. So it really wasn't like an aha moment. I would say sophomore year was when it really was like, okay, you're in your groove. But my thing was every summer, I went and got my butt kicked. I played like a 23 and under team that we would travel all over the country. We would play these absurd teams of kids that I just watched on the College World Series. And I would play these big time names. And I would pitch against them. And, like, if we lost 2 nothing, to me, it was a win. Right. So I would always, like, overdo it in the summer. So then when I came back, especially, like, going from, you know, freshman to sophomore year, I went really high level in, in travel ball and really worked on not walking people, getting the last out, working on O2 counts. Like, you know, there was things that I, like, had in mind that I, like, really drive. And I couldn't throw to first base after freshman year. I had, like, the yips. Really? Yeah. And I remember me and Loki had a conversation that said, like, you know, hey, we got to figure this out. And I started pitching it fresh a freshman year summer going into sophomore year. I started pitching it in travel ball. So I would feel the ball from the mound and pitch it to first base because it was accurate. That's my Mm -hmm. thing. Right. But overhand, I would just panic. I would either like bounce past it. I would soar it. It was a disaster. And I think that also helped my confidence level because now I was throwing people out and people, you know, as left handed, they're going to bond on you anyway. Right. But then when you can't throw it first, they're really going to try to get in your head. So I think that was also a confidence booster for me. And then, two, you know, my freshman year, it was me and a senior. So I knew going into sophomore year that I was, like, the number one. So that, I think, was also, like, a you have the whole team on your back. You better execute type thing. And I think I'm, I'm a very pressure-driven person. So I think that was also, like, a huge motivator. And kind of, like, that aha moment was, like, don't disappoint your teammate type thing. Mm-hmm. And just started, I don't want to say cruising, but it was just like, you know, you figure things out. And um, sophomore year, I was all conference and I did a really, you know, that's when I really kind of broke out. But I think it was more driven through my teammates and everything else. Not necessarily like a aha moment. It was kind of like, you're up, go. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and it was just like execute or you're done. We need to take a break on one-on-one more with Shannon Padula right after this. And we are back continuing our conversation on one-on-one with Newman University head softball coach Shannon Padula. I'm curious, you mentioned the yips. Do you know the origin? Like, did you make an error and it just stuck in your head and then the next time, all right, can't have the same thing happen and you put more pressure on Like, do you know the origin or was it just one of those things that all of a sudden it just didn't make sense? I like to think I know the origin. (laughs) I joke around and blame my high school first baseman and we've talked about this already and I've told her that it's her fault. (laughs) And she's just like, you're crazy. But I just remember... So I had a pretty good arm overhand. So when I didn't pitch, I played outfield and I played right field and I could like gun people out. And it's funny in travel ball, I would mess up throwing a first and then they put me in the outfield and I would gun someone out at home. And my coach was like, this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. But 
I think when I was younger, I kind of just picked up the ball and like launched it to first. But you're a lot closer. So I remember one time I, my first baseman being like, yo, like, don't kill me. You're like launching it at me. And I think I just started to like get to the point where I was about to release it and then be like tried and throw it softer which is like the worst thing right. you could do. And then I would try to aim it and then it would either soar over or like I would yank it. And then it just kept getting worse. And I was almost trying to like have some type of a happy medium, right? Get it there, but like don't right. fire it from 10 feet away. But I was so used to just doing the norm that that was a lot harder. And I think that was kind of like the first thing. Because in practice, I mean, I remember my freshman year, we did like 20 balls in a row. And she was just like, you got to field it, throw it first. Field it, and I could do it. In a game when there's like someone running down the line and as a lefty, if it's up the third base line, like I'm just turning and ch- chucking. But then when you have a first base and they're like, oh, don't throw it so hard, right? You turn and you go to Chuck and then you're like, oh, God, throw it softer. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. ha- and everyone's always like, you have time, you have time, you have time. So, like I said, I just started throwing it underhand and I warned, you know, when I came back that, that year, I warned my first base. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to throw it underhand. She was like, okay, like you weirdo. <laughs> and I remember Loki being like, did you figure it out? And I was like, I got an idea. And she was like, oh, God. <laughs> like, what do you mean you have an idea? And I was like, and I threw it and it was like a strike right to the chest and and I could, like, you know, you warm up and you can, like, so I can control how hard I can throw. You know, I'm just kind of stepping and throwing. I'm not really, like, full-blown pitching it. You know, it's kind of just an arm circle. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as fast, and it was controlled, and they knew it was coming. So that just became the solution. But, yeah, I would think, because in high school, I really didn't have a problem. I think it was, like, senior year of high school going into summer ball. And same thing, summer ball, I had a, you know, first baseman that was kind of like, whoa, don't throw it so hard. And it was, like, that mental block of, like, you don't want to hurt anyone. But it's funny because the same people helped me fix it by, well, I'm like, I'm going to go underhand. And then the first time, and my travel ball team, I'm still really good friends with all those girls. And they're like, I'll never forget the first time you pitched it. And I guess, like, the parents were like, the second baseman's face. <laughs> they knew it was coming, right. but, like, it's just different. Yeah. Which is, like, also people are always like, oh, where's the ball going to go when you get the ball? Right? And people make those comments. And then that gets in your head. Right. And it's. It's the, you know, I saw a sports psychologist freshman year for it. And I still remember being like, I don't know how to relate this to a game day. And that was the hardest part was trying to break it. And then pitching it worked. That great line from Bull Durham, don't think you'll only hurt the ball club. Like and, it really. Yeah. How much though did that experience, has that helped you as a coach? Because I would imagine you have a much greater understanding, not just for people that struggle, but yep. just for things that kids maybe struggle with that a lot of coaches would be like, just do it mm-hmm. and you move on. You understand that, and I'm not even talking about like the yips or something, but just, just something that a kid struggles doing that comes incredibly easy to mm-hmm. everybody else. You kind of understand like, all right, we'll work on it. We'll get there. Yeah. You know, I, I would imagine that's a really nice tool to have in your toolkit to be able to help a kid. So a lot of times I'll just like say like, hey, we'll come back to it. Hey, we'll come back to it. Because I remember the more I worked on it the more I got in my head and it just got worse. So sometimes like if a player, you know, they have like three errors in a row, I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to go on to the next position. Like you, when you're doing lines or something like, Hey, just, you know, take a second and then come back, regroup. And then I did a lot of stuff with leadership training and just different type of, you know, now thinking back, probably more sports psychology driven. But at the time I didn't, we didn't call it that, but finding like a spot on the field to like mentally relax myself, doing things like that, that I kind of just picked up from whoever at the time, right? Like it was, it could have been another teammate. It could have been, a pitching coach at the time or just be like, so I started to get into better routines and better pre-pitch routines and taking, you know, body language geared and stuff like that. So I think that's stuff that I always pass on to like my players, like, Hey, it's okay. Like you made an error. It's over. Guess what? I made a ton of errors in my career and I had a really good career, but no one remembers the errors. So it's fine. Like it's not a big deal, but we have to bounce back to the next one. We can't be, you know, four in a row is where the issues are. 
you know, when you can relate to players and say like, hey, I'm here, right? I'm your head coach. I've been coaching for 11 years now. And I, you know, I had a really good career. And like, I did that too. So like, you're the norm. Try to make them almost think that like, this is normal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there's times where, like I said, just kind of flush it out. Like, hey, take a deep breath. Why don't you take a, you know, get a sip. Or like, if you see the whole team, like, hey, why don't we get some water? Let's just relax. (laughs) Or, you know, go to a different drill and come back to it. Because sometimes like, I don't want to say like punishing them, but like if you're, you know, you're drilling it, you're just drilling it even further in. And now that's all they're thinking of. So, and I, I do a lot with like positive talk. And that was something for me. Like I couldn't say like, don't throw it hard to first. As soon as I said, don't throw it hard to first, I would mess up. So like for me, I just stopped thinking about it. Like I would just be like, just pick it up and pitch it. And that was the norm. And I just, that's all I thought about at that moment. But before I kept thinking about like, don't throw it too hard. Don't throw it in the ground. Don't throw it too high. Like, <laughs> and it just, every single time I did exactly what I told myself not to do, which I've talked to them about. When you say, hey, don't strike out, you're probably going to strike out. So let's talk about like, hey, let's just make good contact. What, how are we talking to ourselves in our heads? Because we're all in our heads all the time, especially pitchers. <laughs> so your career at Westchester, there's individual success and team success you guys go to what i think the atlantic regional your junior and junior senior, senior yeah year. we went to the first uh, ncaa regionals in school history and i looked at it this morning before you came in like the record book you're all over it like <laughs> pitching there's not a pitching uh stat i think yeah the good and bad ones i got all of them but, the, well, but that's <laughs> you know you say the quote-unquote bad ones like yeah. that's because you were carrying the load and <laughs> i think a lot of people that only have a nominal idea of softball probably think it's like baseball where, well, they have seven pitchers and five of them and they were, no, like <laughs> you're getting the ball and you're it, you know, lock and load. We're riding you to the finish line. But that I think is also a shine of like how much respect the program had for you. Like in order to be in position to lose a lot more games than other ones, <laughs> it's because you were given the responsibility of being the person. Yeah. You know, it's different. But I mean, what does all that mean to you? Here, still in the year 2022, you can go back and thumb through a record book of something from 15 years ago, and you're still number two, number three, number four, number one, number five, number two. That's something. It's funny because I I think the biggest accomplishment I have was I went back and worked at Westchester in 2016, and their top pitcher was a left-handed pitcher. And it was funny because when Loki Goddard said, hey, this kid reminds me of you, and then I got to work with her. And she broke all my records. And I think that was probably my biggest, like, this is awesome, right? Like, because, like, I had a hand in a kid that broke all my records, which I think is even, like, and I'm like, oh, we're lefty, and lefty people love lefty people. Like, that's just a thing. It's like our own little, like, cult, right? Right. Like, people are always like, I met my boyfriend because he was writing something, he was left-handed. And I literally went up to him and was like, are you left-handed? And that was the first time we spoke to each other. So (laughs) it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. I don't care what you say. It's a thing. So I think that was kind of something that, like, in the sense of years wise, right, years past, that was probably my biggest accomplishment was, one, I helped the program get to where it is today, but also, like, continuing to help that program, right? And then she broke all my records, and I was, like, so pumped for her because I was, like, this is awesome. Also, like, I guess selfish reasons, I'm, like, oh, I had a hand in that as well. Right. So it's still, like, part of me as well with that. So I think that was, like, really cool. You know, at the time when Driven in the early 2000s, like, I couldn't tell you what our record book said. I had no idea I was breaking some of the records. It wasn't a countdown. I remember breaking the strikeout record. We were at Wilmington because my parents came, my grandfather came, my cousins came, blah, blah. And I remember looking at the numbers. And now I'm the same age as Lockhaven's Christner, who has Division II records. And we're in the same conference. And I look at her numbers and I look at mine. I'm like, oh, these are terrible. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when I broke the strikeout record, I was kind of like, I've never been a strikeout pitcher. So to me, I was kind of like, this is a little embarrassing that I'm breaking a record that I don't think that I'm like geared for type thing. But it also shows to where the program was and where it is now. 
right? And then like just seeing the the records now get shattered and different things and like, but then there's also those records that no one's throwing 700 innings in four years anymore. So when I joke around saying I have the good and the bad ones, it's because I have, I threw so much and I was that person that like, we would finish game one and let's say we won one nothing. It was a grind. And I remember like Loki looking around and like, you know, we had a pitcher warm enough for the starter and I'd be like, I'm good if you need me. Like, I'm good. And I, I never let her not think that I was good. And I'd be like, I'm good. And she's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. Like, can I have the ball? And I was just that kid. It was funny. We'd go on a way trip for four games. And I remember talking to athletic trainers. And I had surgery going from into junior to senior year on my shoulder. And the trainers being like, hey, like, probably not the best idea to pitch all four games. And I remember coming back and being like, they, you pitched all four games. I'm like, but we won all four games. Like, that was where my mentality was. If I think I could beat that team, I wanted the ball. Right. It was worth it. Yeah. Right. And I wanted the ball. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to sit back and watch someone else beat them if I knew I could beat them. So a lot of times, like, I would start game one and then I'd come in relief. Game two, because I'd be like, I'm ready. Put me in. Because at least I have control over that, right? When you're sitting on the bench, and that was a big adjustment coaching. <laughs> My first couple of years of coaching, like, you can't physically alter the game, yep. right? So that was a really tough transition for me to be able to be like, why can't you throw a strike? Just do this. And then show you how to do it. <laughs> Looking back on, like, my career and just in the moment, I had no idea what was happening, right? Like, it's funny. You don't go into a school saying, like, I'm going to rewrite the record books and I'm going to be the first team to go to the regionals and we're going to break all these records. And, like, when you pick a school, that's, at least for me, it wasn't a thought process. Like, I just wanted to play. And then you look back and you're like, wow, like, we did so much and we had no idea we were doing it. Like, I think we went on a run my junior year, like, 16 games we won. Something crazy. And at the time, like, we weren't counting. Like, we didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, we just were playing. We were having fun, and things were going our way. But I think that also gears towards the non-social media or the non-stats-driven you know, stats driven area, area. And I think that helped me, at least, because I think pitchers get so zoned in on now that I didn't have to have that. And our conference was so good mm-hmm. that there were so many other people they were talking about that I was kind of like, you know, we weren't known as the team to beat. We were the low man on the totem pole. So for us, it was like, oh, Westchester won? This is this is weird. Who's this kid? You know what I mean? And so I think in that sense, it was like kind of like the underdog mentality. Favorite memory of your Westchester days. And you've already told several stories, (laughs) but like, if you think back to college, is your favorite memory like on the field or is it just the camaraderie and stuff like that? Um, both, I guess we used to have dance parties on the bus a lot, um, (laughs) a lot. And I think about now when my teens are dancing and singing on the bus, sometimes I'm like, okay, be quiet. But then also I'm like, that was the best times ever, you know? And we had like a certain song that we play at weddings now that we all like sing and stuff like that. So I think in that sense, but I think, like I said, going to regionals was huge because like we knew at that moment, like, especially my junior year, there was five girls that are a year older than me and uh, I'm like really good friends with them. So like junior year was like, it was their last year. There was like more to it. Going to Kutztown and going to regionals, we were the first team ever to do it. So, like, the campus knew. And I think that was the first time we were like, all right, this is cool. We're getting the little, like, lanyards and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the little things. Now I think they get way more stuff. But (laughs) at the time, you know, we were, like, that special team. I think we won our first, yeah, we won, like, the first game in regionals. So, again, another, like, notch on our belt type thing. And I just remember, like, we lost the last game that year. I think it was against Kutztown. It was, like, a 2 nothing loss. And I just remember being, like, so upset. Because it was like that team was done. Right. And like everyone, and I end up getting surgery like three weeks later. So everyone knew at that point that my shoulder was torn. And But it wasn't about that. It was just about this was so much fun. And, and this, this was group awesome. will never yeah. be together again. Yeah. And it's crazy because in like the following year, two of the girls went to, to spring break just to watch us play. And I'm still best friends with them today. Mm-hmm. So it's like just that whole thing of just like, and it's funny when I left sciences last year, one of my players said this to me and she was like, thank you for giving me my best friends. 
And wow. I, like, I cried. Um, that, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah. And I think about that because I talked to my teammates and I had no idea who they were. They didn't even like me freshman year. You know, now how many years later and like now thinking as a coach, like, wow, you have such an impact on these people's lives off the field as well, because like you really do. You give them their best friends. And it's like crazy to think about. But like I had a great career on the field, but like we had a lot of fun off the field. Like, I mean, we have alumni day on Saturday. I'll be there. I still go back. I try to help the team as much as possible. We joke around and we say like, I'll always, I might be the head coach of a different team, but I'll always bleed purple and gold. And like, that's real. Was coaching always something you figured was going to be in the equation? Because just in talking to you, I get the feeling that you can't imagine softball not being a part of your life in <laughs> one way or another. Did you always think you would coach or were you, you're, did you, your career over and you were kind of like, cause I know you did some internships in, in PR and, and mm -hmm. media and stuff like that. What's kind of the, the crossover to coaching. So I never wanted to coach. <laughs> so I got surgery going to my senior year, grinded out senior year, pitched another like 200 and something innings. When I was done with my four years, I was done. I was mentally, physically just exhausted. I poured everything I had into that program and I just hit a wall. And I remember being like, I'm done. I don't want to play softball anymore. I don't want anything to do with the sport. Like I'm over it. And again, these are things that you think about now as a coach. And Loki would always say, like, you should coach, you should coach, you should coach. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, that's too much. Like, you're not doing it. I remember I worked for Enterprise because, like, like stepbrother says, right? Like, <laughs> this is what you do. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I go work for Enterprise like every other college athlete in the United States because that's what they recruit. <laughs> and I was, like, washing cars in, like, heels and a dress. And I was like, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> right? Like, I just... Didn't want to do it. And Loki still said, you should you should be coaching. You should be coaching. And I'm like, oh, no. But I needed that year completely out of softball to miss it. Because for my whole life, I never missed it. It was always the next week. Right. Or maybe I had a month and then it was back up again. There was always like it was coming back. So I think I didn't really mentally think about it as being gone until it really was gone. And I needed that. Because I needed to separate myself and actually like fall back in love with the sport. And I remember she was like, all right, fine. Just get your master's and use coaching to do it. And I was like, all right, fine. Again, end swimming, right? Like, I don't have to coach forever. I have to coach for two years. And then I get master's. And my thing was like, I wanted to be, you know, I originally went to school. I wanted to be a broadcaster. I remember watching Yankee games with my dad. And I originally went in as a math major. And then I had calculus. And I was like, I'm out. And <laughs> I was like, this is not the same as high school calculus. Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> And I remember watching Yankee game and I'd be like, oh, like, I want to be a sideline reporter. And my dad was like, well, people go to school for that. You could do that. So mm -hmm. I switched to communications. I interned with Comcast Sportsnet. You know, I did all the right things. I did a lot with our sports information director. So I thought I was probably going to be a sports information director or work in like TV. Or honestly, one thing I went to my master's, I got in sports administration. And I was thinking AD. Coaching still means to an end, not the next step. So year one, I you know, started coaching. But again, it was to get my master's. So my mindset was do what you're told, just do it and get through it. And then year two, I was like, you know, you start to see kids grow and you build relationships. And, you know, we went to, I was at Fairleigh Dickinson getting my master's. I was living at home and we went to the first conference championship my second year. And I was like, this is cool. Right. Because like we were in the, like, you know, just to see the jump from year one to year two with these players and these pitchers. And I was working with them and I was like, oh, I don't think I could step away from this. And it's crazy because going into it, I was like, just get your master's and you're done. Like, this is all you have to do. Just get your master's and you don't have to coach ever again. And I haven't stopped coaching and it's been 11 years. 
But it's funny because people are always like, oh, you look like you're, you're probably wanted to coach since you were little. And I was like, no, I did not want to coach. That was not a thought process in my mind. And now I can't imagine even thinking about going into administration, like maybe down the line, but not anytime soon. Like I can't imagine not being in the dirt and being with the players every day and, and doing all that. So it's funny how to think about like, and I, you know, I give that effort to Loki for being like, hey, you should coach, you should coach. And she kept pushing me. And then like, you know, when I was kind of like, I don't really want to do renting cars. And I was like, all right, let's get my master's, you know, and I Googled like, what's the closest sports administration master's to my parents' house? Because that's really, again, my thought process was not coaching. Right. It wasn't like, let's build a pro, let's go to a program that's going to teach me how to coach. It was, where can I get it for the cheapest possible and I could stay home. So it's crazy to think about, again, you know, where you start, where you end up, everything happens for a reason type thing. And I should, I've been remiss. Uh, you've mentioned Diane Loki, head coach at Westchester, yes. just to give some context. I think people probably got that from our discussion. So you mentioned FDU Florham, the Westchester, you also Division One as an assistant at Ryder. Yep. When do you start to think about having your own program? Like you kind of talked about means to an end and then watching the kids grow and stuff like that. Is it something that you make the decision that I'm all in and I want a program? Does an opportunity come around and you start to do the internal checklist and, and stuff like that. How does how does it come together? Um, so when I was at FDU, obviously I played Division Two, then FDU is Division Three. So my thing was, if I really want to think about doing this, I don't know where I want to go. Right? Everyone's goal is always big time, Power Five. Right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't know what I wanted. I'd never been up there, so I didn't know. And I remember talking to. You know, I worked a lot of clinics. I networked a ton, so I knew a lot of coaches in the area. And I remember being like, I don't have Division One experience. I need to get division one experience to see if that's a path I want to go. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know. Right. Right. And being a pitcher helps because people always need pitching coaches. So that also helps. So I remember I got a call from a colleague that I knew and she was like, Hey, Ryder's looking for an assistant. I put your name in. I actually got my second surgery on my shoulder the day before I went on my, like basically the week before I started at Ryder. So when I went in my interview, I said, I'm going to be in the sling the first month. And she was like, that's fine. Um, so it's just funny to think about. So, I like checked off in a sense of like the checklist, right? I wanted to check off all three divisions to really truly know what I wanted to do. Kind of have the full experience. Yeah, right. right? Do I want to be an assistant at a bigger school and just work on pitching? Do I want to do the whole thing? Do I want to be a head coach? Like I didn't didn't know at the time, right? I'm just kind of going again, two years in, I didn't think I wanted to coach. So this wasn't a thought process. Now I'm like, you know, people are like, hey, so-and-so. And I was going on some interviews after I got my master's and a lot of D1 programs were like, well, I have no D1 experience. So, like, that's something that's reserved about you, stuff like that. So when the rider opportunity came up, I was like, this is perfect. It checks that box. Go to rider, do two years. And to be honest, we weren't in a very strong program. And that was something that I wasn't used to, right? I won a state championship in, co- in high school, went to college, changed the program, went to the NCAAs, go to FDU, second year, we're in the championship, right? So I'm used to that. So now my first, you know, year at rider, we don't win a lot of games. And I think I really contribute that to, like, kind of zoning myself back in. Right. Like if you really want to do this, lose a lot of games. Right. And then if you still yeah, want to do wanna, it after, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like it's it was a rude awakening for me as a coach. And people always say, like, what was your big like coaching thing? And I said that season was huge for me because I had to f- figure out how to motivate players. You, I mean, we won six games. You can look it up. That's a lot. We play like 50 games. Right. It's a lot of losing. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a grind. And I remember being like, I got through it and I still wanted to be there the next year. And I was like, okay, that says a lot. Because again, coming from someone that didn't lose and had the impact, you know, being a pitcher, you have a lot of impact on the outcome of a game. Coaching, you have somewhat of an impact, 
but not in the moment. So again, taking myself out of that situation and being able to motivate kids and try to help kids win games that we were, and we were close games. It wasn't like we were getting blown out, but, and then the next year we doubled our wins and it was like, okay, I can see the improvement again. That's like the motivation on it. We can see the improvement. But I think that was a big aha moment in my coaching career because I learned how to manage losing, which is really hard. And that was something that's kind of where I was like, okay, I think I can handle X, Y, Z now. And I don't think if I ever don't take that job and the coach there was there for like 28 years. So she was very seasoned, which she helped me a lot on like the back end stuff, right? Like ordering things, things that you don't, you don't realize fall under your purview until they do as much as you want to learn. And she was fantastic. So I learned a lot in those two years. Because again, when I went to FDU, I didn't really want to learn all that because I didn't think I was coaching. So he's like, oh, do you want to learn about the budget? I'm like, no, nah, I don't really care. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, cool, are we getting shirts? Like, that's where my mindset was year one, especially. So, you know, now year three and four, I was like, I need to learn everything because if I'm going to do this, I want to be knowledgeable of what I'm doing. And then Loki actually called and said, hey, our assistant job opened, you know, do you want to come back? And that's easy. Yes, for me. You know, I was part time all those years. Luckily, my parents are fantastic. They're Another thing people, people don't realize. I mean, it's $6,000. Right. <laughs> when you think about a part-time job, it is different than what people think. Yeah. So that was, you know, year five, and I'm not making any money. Luckily, again, my parents are fantastic. They're like the greatest people in the world. And they were like, if you want to do this, we'll support you. Awesome. That doesn't happen all the time. So that's kind of when I, you know, went back to Westchester. And then I was kind of at the point where we had a great season. It was fantastic, but it was still part-time. And I was like, all right, if I'm really going to do this, I got to start going full-time. You know, also the 26 number, right, with insurance. You know, right. There's other things in your life that, you know, eventually you're going to get kicked off your parents' insurance and got to be able to pay to, like, live anywhere. So that was kind of the year that I really dove into trying to get, it like, a full-time coaching job and not just kind of went where I thought was, like, a smart decision versus, like, what I needed. And a week before I took the sciences job, I actually got flown down to San Antonio and went on a visit to – Incarnate word for the assistant job. So I was like willing to take a job in San Antonio because it was a full-time coach and it would have been a division one assistant. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, did the whole 24 hours down there, actually got offered the job and I had the interview for sciences on Monday and that was Thursday. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take this interview on Monday and I'll get back to you. And when push comes to shove, it was, Hey, you can be an assistant in Texas where you have no one. Right. I don't know anyone. Or you can be a head in Philadelphia where Westchester's not far. A lot of my friends from college. It's only two hours from your parents. The math isn't hard, really. And like when you... to be honest, the money was very similar. So I took the obviously took the sciences job. But to be honest, at that point, like, you know, you think you're ready to be a head coach. You have no idea. But I remember asking. I reached out to so many people and being like, hey, do you have practice plans that you use? And I just remember being like asking a lot of people for like a lot of stuff that they had and just asking so many questions, just being like trying to be prepared. And sometimes you have to fake it until you make it, right? Like, you just kind of come in, and you're like, we're going to do this, this, and this. And the girls are like, okay, because they don't know any different. Right. You know what I mean? And so I kind of took sciences and ran with it. And I had a really good, like, AD and assistant AD that supported me. And it was a lot easier transition than I thought it was going to be, um, especially off the field. You know, on the field, we had our kinks and stuff like that. And recruiting, when you're an assistant, you don't really like, especially a part-time assistant, you're really not like full-blown recruiting for those right. schools. You're you're here and there. And especially as a pitcher, I would go watch a pitcher or I would do this. So that I think was the biggest adjustment was like, now I have full control over who I bring in. It's never happened before. So I think that was kind of the biggest adjustment going into, you know, being a, a, a head coach. We need to take another break on one-on-one -on -one more with Newman's Shannon Padula right after this. 
A Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. You gotta understand the genius in Larry. Nobody was doing coke at this point. No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer. This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavin story. A documentary podcast from C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with one-on-one. Our guest this week is Newman University head softball coach Shannon Padula. You talk about asking all the questions, you know, once you realize this is what you're going to be. But when when you take over at Sciences, what is the first thing you came across that you kind of looked around and went, oh, I guess I have to do, I guess I'm responsible for this. There had to be something that you didn't realize fell under your purview until you realize it falls under your purview. Um, I think there's a lot of things, right? Like booking Florida trips. Hey, here's the travel agent that we usually use. Okay, well, deciding when we're going to leave, how we're going to get there. Um, I think it was like my second or third year. I was like, well, it's super cheap to like fly out of Baltimore. We'll take the Amtrak train to Baltimore. Getting 30 people from <laughs> on an Amtrak train to Baltimore onto a flight. I will never do that again. I will pay the extra $5 a person or whatever it was. But in the moment, I was just right. like trying to be financially mm-hmm. smart about it, and it was significantly cheaper. But then I'm like, the logistics of it was everyone got there. We were fine. My players hated me. <laughs> but, you know, those are the things that you don't think about how much thought goes into right. moving 30 people. Mm-hmm. And they all have to get there, and they all have to come home, and they all have to be safe in between, and it's all on you. So it's crazy to think about, like, especially Florida. Florida was my first year going to our spring break trip. When as an athlete, when as an assistant, I didn't realize how much goes into that and how much, I don't want to say pressure, but responsibility that is, right? You're away from your school. You're in another state. You're in charge of 18 to 21 year olds in another state. And everyone has to behave and everyone has to get there and everyone has to do X, Y, Z. And then you have to get home and you have to fundraise to pay for it. When you're an athlete, it's like the best time of your life. Like mm-hmm. It's a fantastic. But as a coach, it is like the worst week of your life. You were on 24-7, but I knew how much I valued those trips as an athlete, that it wasn't an option not to do it. But And I remember sitting down my first team ever at Sciences and being like, hey, if you guys even like me a little bit, like, don't make me lose my job this week. Be smart. Don't sneak out and do X, Y, Z. Don't, if you like me at least a little bit, if you want me to stick around a little bit, don't ruin my career this week. And the one girl who I'm very good friends with, one of my players who became a GA, was like, never thought of it that way. Because, again, as an athlete, I didn't think about that. I, I think, think about, that's youth, too. Yeah, that's just, you don't think about, like, right. I'm putting that person in a really bad situation by mm-hmm. doing what I thought was, like, funny. Yeah. And I, I said that to him. I said, listen, if you like me at all, just, like, throw me a bone this week because this is, like, super stressful. And we went, and it was, like, the first time ever it was terrifying. And then now every year it gets easier because you the logistics you know get the drill, easier. Right. Yes, you exactly. know what goes into it. Exactly. But it was like, that was probably my first. Nothing scarier than not knowing what you don't know. Yeah. In another state. Yeah. (laughs) That's not close to your school. Like, you can't just bail and call someone and say, hey, can you help me out? (laughs) Or if our flight gets canceled, right? There's a lot of things that happen logistically that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, my first year, everything went right. So I was like, now I'm like, okay, I can handle this. You know what I mean? But that first year, I just remember being on the plane being like, what did you get yourself into? And I have a part-time assistant who has no idea what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, we're just getting thrown to the wolves. So you're building a program at Sciences, and then they decide they're going to merge with St. Joe's, and there's not going to be a University of the Sciences anymore. How did you find out? And I can't imagine what that's like. So I guess, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I actually found out a St. Joe's alum texted me and said, hey, we just got an email saying that we're buying University of Sciences. And I was like, I don't think that's right. Like, I think I would have known. 
And then, no joke, my phone went off like 30 seconds later. So they must have sent the St. Joe's email like 10 seconds before right. the sciences email or whatever. Or I didn't look at my phone or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I probably got another email from our president. And, you know, you get a million of them and didn't really read into it. Because it didn't say like major news right. on, it, on the subject line. <laughs> and I remember being like, I don't think that's right. And then I read the email. And I was like, oh. And then there was the thought process, right? Because no one really knew what entailed on the merger, right? So then you start to look, and it's there's a lot in this area, right? Rutgers has three programs. FDU has right. two programs, right? So there's the thought process like, hey, do we drop down to D3? Are we going to have a D1 and a D3? Because they were talking about keeping the campuses separate. And we really didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen for a significant amount of time. So that was kind of, I think that was like a, I want to say it was like winter-ish, maybe January, when that email went out that said this is going to happen. Right. So we knew well in advance about it. Which I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, people always ask me, I don't know, there's schools that it happened to and they like, dropped the ball the day before it happened. And then we had like a full almost year and a half before we knew about it. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't know what's the better option. I think it depends on the person and, right. and a lot. There's a lot of factors into it. So I remember the first thing I did was like, what does that mean for athletics? And that question didn't get answered for a really long time. Because I don't think they really knew the logistics of it. And I don't think they really thought into it. You know, when you're thinking about merging universities, athletics is not the first thing you think about. There's a lot of other factors. Financials being one. How is it going to work academic-wise? Because they're students first, pure athletes. And I get that. But as a coach, I'm like, what do I tell my incoming freshmen, right? Because January, they're signed. Right? Signing day is November. So I already had seven freshmen coming in for the next year that we didn't know if next year existed. Right. And I, I was very honest and open with my players about everything that went on. And I emailed the, the freshman and said, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this, but I don't think we're going to have a program. I just, that's my personal opinion. It is not written on the wall, not written anywhere. No one's saying it. I just, from what I've read, I just feel like it's not happening. And they were just out there. I was like, you guys, you know, I can, I can all sign your releases. You can do whatever you want. They all came. So that whole year, it was kind of like, we don't really know what next year looks like. And we kind of just went with it and finished out, you know, in 21, we had a good season and we went to playoffs. And I remember being like the biggest day for me, at least that really like kind of hit me that it was happening was Concordia got bought out by Iona that year. And they found out a couple months before it was like very closer, much closer together. And we played Concordia the first round of playoffs and we beat them. So we ended their Concordia's program. Basically, we ended their their season, yeah. but in terms, right? And I remember I started crying because I was like, this is us. This is us next year. And it was the first time that, like, it hit me that this was going to be us. It's amazing that that plays out in front of, like. That we actually play you, them. You pl- that plays out in front of you, and you kind of see And it was like a future. walk-off. Right. So it was like, like, they were there. Like, we, it was a walk-off. The ultimate sudden death. Yeah. Like, it was between the two programs that aren't going to exist in yeah. two years. It was very weird. And I just remember when we got them first round, I'm like, this is weird. Like, we could potentially. And that was the first thing that came to my head is, like, we're going to end these kids' careers. Like, I didn't even think about, you know, you end seniors' careers, but, like, they had four years. Like, I'm potentially ending a freshman's career. And that's when it hit me of my own team, like, looking at my own team. And, again, that was year five for me. So, like, people always joke around in the coaching world, like, year five, you know, like, you got five years to figure it out. You got five years, five years, right? That's the magical number for coaching. And I remember being like, I'm at it. And now it's, like, such a weird situation that, like, I'm really not at year five, right? Because, like, we don't know what's going to happen. I got to start looking at jobs because I don't know what's going to happen. And it was, like, a very weird situation because it's supposed to be the year that, like, everything clicks. Right. But there were so many other distractions. And then going into that summer, I told the girls the last, like, literally when we got off the bus from playoffs, I said, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have to look at jobs this summer. And I will, if I get on campus somewhere— if I'm the final X, Y, Z, I will text all of you and let you know. I will not keep you in the dark. I'm not going to text you everyone I apply to. But if I get through stage right. one, stage two, you're 
this whole team will know. And they were like, that's fair. We understand. Like, so I told them that in May, you know, I went on a bunch of interviews and fall started, didn't take a job yet. And I told them, I said, there's still some jobs opening. You know, there's still things I'm applying for. So again, I'll keep you in the loop. So we start fall. And again, we have our full team, my full recruited team. It's year six. I'm pumped. Like this team is good. Right. But again, what does that look like come June? Because now June 1st date has now emerged. That June 1st, everything's going to switch. We're going to be St. Joe's. Pretty much at that point, the writing was on the wall that, you know, athletics was going to be done. So now it was kind of like the countdown, right? And then being a spring sport, what does the spring look like? Right. Right? Because people are still like, okay, we still have a couple more months. But then when push comes shove, when you have like a month left on your job, what is that going to look like? Yep. And I didn't know if I was going to be there. So when the Newman job came up, I, you know, I interviewed and did all that. And I told the girls, I said, listen, you know, I'm going on campus to meet the president. I think feel pretty good about this. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get to that point. Right. And they were just like, I was like, I'm really sorry. And they were like, this is what you like. This is your job. We're going to be students. And to be honest, I guess I recruited well because most of them stayed there and they're students. And I, you know, I still talk to all of them. And it's just like, but again, like having that time to like close it out, I guess, was somewhat of a good thing. So I actually started Newman at the end of October. And I told them, I said, I need two weeks. I need to get everything and, you know, I made sure that their practice, their game schedule, science's game schedule last year was like completely done. Their fundraising, everything was done. Like I made sure everything was like set up because mm-hmm. I was nervous that they were going to cancel the season because it's more trouble than it's worth. And we're leaving and we're anyway. Right. 30 days away yeah. from all of us losing our jobs. Right. Right. And that was everyone knew it as much as it wasn't written down. We all knew the end, what was happening. I just remember being like I finished the full fall season with them. And it was like nice to kind of have like a wrap up mm-hmm. type thing. And then it was like, all right, I went to a bunch of their games last year. I still talk to the girls like, you know, I'm still friends with the administration, you know, and stuff like that. So I think in that sense, but it was really hard to leave in the middle of the year. But again, coaching when people always say this is never a good time to leave. Right. Right. Like you because you're always you're attached to those players, no matter how you look at it, no matter what the situation is, it's never a good time. People always told me that, like, you have to make a decision for your life and you can't rely on the like you can't do it because of the players. Unfortunately, that's just how it works. And I remember like taking the Newman job in the first like month being like, Oh, is this where I'm supposed to be? Like, what? Like, did you rush into this? You know, it's a, cause at the moment, two years ago, I didn't think I was leaving sciences anytime soon. So it's just like a whole whirlwind last right. year was like wild to me. And now I'm like, all right, let's do this. Like this year is like a first full year where it's like normal, I guess. And it's just like a breath of fresh air, but it's just the whole thing was just, Weird. And when I went on my interview at Newman, I asked them about their endowment. Question I would never ask. Right. Ever. I wouldn't even look at their endowment. I yeah. never even thought about what an endowment even was until I was at a school that was spending theirs and then had to sell it. So I think I looked at a lot more things in a sense to take a job that was like, are you going to be open in five years? Because I don't want to do this ever again. Right. I didn't think it was going to happen, especially a science school. I thought that that was going to live through. Right. And it's just wild. But I also think at the same time, like, I think everything happens for a reason. And I think look back and say, hey, we learned something or whatever. Like, you know, those kids are all basically going to graduate with doctorates. It was the right place for them. We did the right thing by the students. I still contact them. I make sure that they're okay. You know, in my sense of my personal world, I tried to do everything the right way and then kind of move on to also like, you know, I have bills to pay. Like I have, you know, I have to be strategic about it. I didn't want to go into this past summer with no job looking for a job. So I didn't want that due date to like really hang high on me. So that's why I kind of made the jump earlier than some of the other coaches. Final question, favorite part of what you do? Ooh, development of players, hands down. Just seeing, especially, it's four years. It's a long time. 
but you know just seeing where they're at freshman year to grow into senior year especially like just seeing them mature seeing them do well in their studies and you know graduate and and stuff like that i think just the development of of humans um on and off the field hands down is my favorite part this is so much fun. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Newman University head softball coach Shannon Padula for coming in studio this week. Now, if you like this show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to join us again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.